Welcome back to part two of a special two-part election 2020 thoughts in the market. I'm Andrew Sheets, chief cross-asset strategist for Morgan Stanley. And I'm Michael Zizas, head of public policy research and municipal strategy. Today, we'll be talking about the upcoming U.S. election and what the implications of divided government power could mean for the markets. It's Friday, October 23rd at 3 p.m. in London. And 10 a.m. in New York. Mike, yesterday in this podcast, we discussed what it would mean if a single party had control over both the White House and Congress and and what it would mean for the policy outlook. Investors can go back to yesterday's episode to hear a full summary of those thoughts. But could you just quickly kind of summarize the key takeaways again? Certainly. In in short, there is a lot more of the agenda that each presidential candidate is running on that can get done when their party also controls Congress than when they cannot. And in particular, configurations where one party controls Congress and the White House leads to substantially more fiscal stimulus than in divided government outcomes where there's risk of gridlock. And in particular, most of the actions that would probably be taken under such an outcome would be relegated to things that the executive branch has the authority to weigh in on, mostly regulatory issues and foreign policy issues. From a policy perspective, how would you see the next four years under divided government, whether or not it's it's Vice President Biden in the White House, but Republican control of, of either or both chambers of Congress, or a President Trump winning re-election, but Democrats controlling either or both chambers of Congress? What, what do you think that that looks like in terms of expected policy? Yeah, I actually think they're quite different from the perspective of the policies that investors are paying attention to right now that they think are most critical to the market. And and I think this is important because typically what we hear from investors is that a divided government outcome is a good outcome for markets because it generally leads to gridlock from a policy perspective. And that gives certainty to markets, which don't like uncertainty, around the idea that the current set of policies, for better or worse, would remain unchanged. But that might be less important this time around because we are in the middle of an economic recovery. If you have a scenario where the status quo is what continues, Republicans control the White House and the Senate, but the Democrats control the House of Representatives, then we think the current COVID stimulus relief package that's being negotiated can probably get over the finish line over time. However, in a scenario where the Democrats take the White House, but the Republicans maintain control of the Senate. We think that could be a challenge to getting more fiscal support here for the economy. Republicans have clearly demonstrated fatigue with expanding deficits further. And certainly if they no longer controlled the White House, then they would be more free to kind of continue to reprioritize their deficit concerns with less political consequences. And so this is a configuration to us that looks and feels a lot like what you saw in 2010, 2011, 2012, where you had gridlock around fiscal policy, despite some economic data weakness. From a market perspective, if investors take anything away from this two-part podcast, it's that the conventional wisdom that kind of quote gridlock is good for markets, which I think is a conventional wisdom that really grew out of kind of the late 90s, second half of the 90s bull market that that's not what we think applies this time, at least from a broad-based one to two-year view on the markets, that divided power comes with a lot of complications for an economy that we think is still reliant on on additional fiscal support. Yeah, so Andrew, that's a good pivot then for us to get into 
some of the specifics of, of your views of the implications for asset classes in a divided government. So let's say Vice President Biden wins and the Democrats hold the House, but the Republicans keep the Senate. What are the implications that you see across asset classes? I do think your harkening back to, to 2011, 2012 is a really important element, a really important reminder, because that was also following a recession. That was also a period where government support was was still pretty important for that economic recovery. The consumer and business sectors were still weak. And yet the advent of divided power made it uh, almost impossible to pass fiscal legislation. We had a number of government shutdowns. And all of that meant that the equity market traded at pretty low valuations, despite very low interest rates, right? So we always hear now that, of course, it makes sense for, for the equity market valuation to be high because interest rates are low. But you don't have to go back that far in history to find periods where that fiscal piece became gridlocked. You could see a situation where, you know, initially the U.S. equity market could rally in that divided government scenario because investors say, well, well this means there won't be any tax changes, taxes won't increase on these companies. But ultimately, they could then take a different view as the reality sets in that this could mean a, a weaker, slower economic recovery, maybe more like the period the markets had to deal with over, over part of 2011, 2012. And I think it also has kind of similar implications for yields, where again, I think this probably means a pretty big detour for our higher interest rate call, where you would just probably have the lowest odds of the additional fiscal easing that's a really central point of that call. And it it might be the scenario where the Fed would have to do the most to keep supporting the economy because fiscal policy is doing the least. And Andrew, what about the status quo? Basically, a Republican presidency and Senate and the Democrats keep the House. I think that that could be a scenario where you see kind of a modest version uh, of the reflationary trends, where you see some additional fiscal aid that, you know, that maybe the current kind of negotiations over CARES 2 ultimately in that scenario get finalized and, and hammered out. And that results in some kind of modest fiscal easing. So you have a, a small increase in rates, a kind of a small outperformance of small caps over large caps, but much more modest than we see in kind of either party sweeping the election. And, and note that this is a scenario that also probably means that the dollar is stronger rather than weaker. I think it would be the scenario where you'd see some more risk premium need to go into other major developed market and emerging market currencies. Probably the expectation is that trade policy would remain more aggressive under this setup. And so that would probably be net dollar stronger versus dollar weaker in a Biden presidency divided power scenario. Well, Andrew, obviously, a lot of nuance, a lot of different paths to track going into election night. And I think having a plan is better than not having a plan, as we like to say. So glad that we're together fleshing this out for everybody. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, Mike, always good to, to catch up and I have a feeling we're going to be uh, talking a lot more as we take down the days to the election. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy Thoughts in the Market, please take a moment to rate and review us on the Apple Podcasts app. It helps more people find the show. The preceding content is informational only and based on information available when created. It is not an offer or a solicitation, nor is it tax or legal advice. It does not consider your financial circumstances and objectives and may not be suitable for you.